Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Drew, what's going on, man? Long time no chat. I know, man. I've missed you, man. I think we missed, what, a week? Yeah, I mean, we need a little bit of that uh, 4th of July (laughs) break, right? Like a little bit of a mini vacation. That's true. That's true. And I mean, I feel like it was a good time to kind of take a break because you and I, we set up the offseason by looking at free agency and then just kind of let the madness unfold. But really for the Chicago Bulls, it was just sort of meh. So to, to recap for our listeners, the Bulls sign Andre Drummond to a two-year $6.6 million contract, player option in 2023-24. Derek Jones Jr. re-signs with the same contract as Drummond, two years, $6.6 million, player option in 2023-24. And then... Kind of a surprising move, a veteran minimum contract, one year, $2.9 million for Goran Dragic. And that was sort of an eyebrow raiser. And as we've heard some reports in the last couple of days, one of the reasons Dragic chose the Bulls was promise over playing time, getting about 20 minutes a game. And we can get into that in a little bit. Um, overall, Drew, thoughts just on, on those moves in a vacuum? So in a in a vacuum, I understand why a lot of Bulls fans, a lot of Bulls Nation is kind of, you know, they kind of mirror your sentiments. It's kind of meh. It, it, it's not the signings that, you know, we were hoping for this front office to make. Um, you know, a lot of people believe that their hands were tied behind their backs in some respects in terms of the Reinsdorfs being willing to go into the tax. Um, but that being said, there were some guys out there, namely the Mo Bombas, maybe the Isaiah Hardensteins of the world who, you know, looking at the contracts that they got, it seems as if the Bulls could have made a play for them. And while they may not have helped the Bulls kind of leapfrog anybody in the Eastern Conference, it at least would have been serving two purposes where you get a player who can help you now and somebody that can also be there to help you in the future when and if Vucevic um, is off this team. So it's 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 an, a little air of disappointment, but if we are to look at this and we ask ourselves, are we more optimistic about the Bulls' immediate future today than what it was or what we thought it was when the season ended um, in that five-game series loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that can help uh, with some of the optimism moving forward. Now, a lot of this has to do with Lonzo Ball and his health as well. Um, You know, the news coming out from Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago isn't great. You know, he's Lonzo Ball is is still having some of these same um, stops and starts and discomfort with his rehab um, that he was having um in in the process of trying to get back on the court so you know we never want to hear that we know that rehab is never a linear process like there's going to be days where you know him and his trainers are going to have to scale back a bit and there'll be other days where he is able to meet the challenge presented to him on those days but just looking at the additions and kind of basing where the bulls bench is today versus what it was when the season ended i think you have to come at this and understand that it's, it's better. It, it may just be marginally better, but 
with Andre Drummond, you got a, another big guy. Um, I know Vucevic has to be happy about that, who can, you know, eat on the offensive and defensive glass. Um, you know, in in spot minutes, I think he can be a, a decent defender, not a rim protector, but um, somebody that may be able to do more in a drop scheme than uh, he may be given credit for. Um, I know Alex Caruso in a recent interview alluded to the fact that Drummond can pass a little bit too. He's not, he's not somebody that you necessarily want to want to make the hub of your offense, but he does have a certain quality to him where, you know, he's adept at hitting an open man or, or finding an open man when he does get the ball in certain situations. Um, Goran Dragic, another, another guy, another veteran, um, somebody who can create his own shot. Uh, Time will tell if Father Time has caught him, but given how he's played in the, I think it's the Euro basket, um, he looks to still have something left in the tank. You know, whether or not he gets 20 to 25 minutes a game remains to be seen, but another quality pickup. Um, like I said, somebody that can get his own shot. And we saw last year the Bulls were very dependent on um, DeMar DeRozan, especially. Uh, Zach Levine and, and Nikola Vucevic doing that for themselves. And then also, um, you know, having to depend on Kobe White, who, although he shot, you know, career highs from beyond the arc and in the paint, just didn't have the consistency that you you need um, coming off that bench. So I think all in all, again, this, it may be marginal improvements, but it's something that Bulls fans can look at and at least say they're a bit better than they were um when the season ended yeah it, it's kind of tricky for me because like i think it's a good question you you pose there like you know are you more optimistic in the immediate future today than where the season ended in april and i guess where i come at it though drew is like when the season ended in april i was thinking there was going to be maybe more impactful moves around the margins with the bulls or bigger moves made to improve the roster given that in the early part of the season, you were first seed and you were towards the top of the Eastern Conference and then trailed off because of injuries and whatnot. But I thought because of that, they would make some seismic moves or impactful moves around the margins. And I think when I see the rest of the Eastern Conference making those impact moves, um, I think that's where I get a little bit itchy and scratchy, like that they didn't really make the kind of impactful moves they had to make to keep up with the rest of the East and try to get into that, that portion of the East where you can comfortably say they're going to make the playoffs and, and not have to, you know, be on the fringe of like a fifth, sixth seed or find themselves in the playing tournament. Like I'm a little concerned that just given the improvements we're seeing in the East, you know, even a team like Detroit's getting better. Cleveland continues to get better. Um, you know, I, I just feel like there's a chance that the, the bulls could really be sweating it out this year unless all things go right. And I think that's the problem. I'm not sure if all things are going to go right because like you brought up, we're not sure if Lonzo ball is going to be a hundred percent. And, you know, I think these moves in a vacuum, like Andre Drummond, I think he's a really productive player. Like you can't deny the fact he's always been an elite level rebounder, solid low post scorer issue with him has always been consistency and on the defensive end he's not really a, a rim protector but what the bulls needed was rim protection 
And even Mark Eversley called that out as end of year press conference, or excuse me, he called it out at, um, I think it was Dalen Terry's press conference that they were looking to add rim protection to go along, you know, in terms of depth with Vooch or playing next to Vooch. And then you look at even shooting, the Bulls haven't really addressed that yet. You know, we thought Danilo Gallinari could have been a player that they were going after, but he chose to go to Boston. And now you're sort of still left with those voids a little bit. I think Goran Dragic could do that, but to your point, age is a factor and he could be a little streaky at times. So I guess I'm not as optimistic. I'm a little concerned and hoping that maybe there's a couple of more you know, impact moves that could still be made because you know, at the end of the day, free agency still is ongoing right now. And we know that there's one player holding everything up and that's Kevin Durant because there could be a ripple effect of other, other moves to come once he's dealt. But yeah, call me, uh, call me a little pessimistic. I'm just, I guess not pessimistic. I'm just a little nervous. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And that's a great point you made about, the front office letting the fans know that they were going out and, you know, they were going to be looking for a rim protector and more defense and more shooting. And like you said, they didn't really come away with that. Um, And also to your point, it seems as if they're really, really banking on not only everything going right in terms of health, but also Patrick Williams taking a huge step forward. Uh, DeMar DeRozan um, not taking too much of a step back from, you know, what a lot of people call the MVP caliber season last year. Uh, Nikola Vucevic stepping up his uh, outside shooting and his touch around the rim. So, I mean, like you said, there has to be a lot of things to go right for this team to uh, ascend the standings better than they did last season. At, at this point, it, it feels like, you know, in a perfect world, they're like a, a fifth seed maybe. Yeah. Um, although I will say the, the only three teams as it stands today and, you know, it's July. So this really means diddly squat <laughs> in this point in time. But the only teams that I feel like are really head and shoulders above the Bulls right now on paper um, are Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. Um, yeah. Everybody else, I'm not saying that the Bulls are on par with them, but they're not quite like just miles ahead of where I think the Bulls can go. So again, it's 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 been kind of a confusing offseason. And I, I hate to be the 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 guy that's like um confused with someone who is okay with mediocrity. Because I'm not, you know, I want this team to compete. I want the Reinsdorfs to be able to give the front office all the tools they need and resources that they they need to continue to improve this team and make it uh, a true championship contender. But the bench is better. I'm, I'm, you know, I have to reemphasize that, or at least it seems like it, it's, it's going to be better. Um, you know, Kobe White is still a young guy. If he's not traded, mm-hmm. um, you know, he still has something to bring to the table. It's just man, it really would have been nice to get um, a bigger wing shooter um, specifically and, you know, in a perfect world, somebody that could also play defense. Yeah. You know, even the Gallinari 
um, rumors. You know, they didn't necessarily hype up Bulls fans, but you could at least see kind of the direction that they were going, and that that could have at least satisfied the the shooter score combination that that this team needed. They weren't able to get it, so now, like you said, it just it's a lot of um, a lot of things they're banking on going right this upcoming season. Yeah, and I, I think that's what kind of scares me. You you brought this up about Patrick Williams. Like, they're putting the weight of the world on his shoulders by saying, all right, kid, it's up to you to take that next step. And maybe they're not trying to do it intentionally, but I'm one of those people that would have liked if they had made, I think, some bigger upgrades on the margins just to, you know, hedge their bet. If Patrick Williams takes a nice step up, but it's just a step where maybe he's giving you 15 points a game, six, seven rebounds, four assists, playing like a beast on the defensive end, that's still really good, but, you know, is that enough to really put you over the hump? I'm not I'm not quite sure. And I think if they had kind of beefed it up with some extra role players, like, you know, going after a TJ Warren, who I think, you know, signed a pretty affordable contract in free agency, Isaiah Hartenstein or Mo Bamba, I feel like those moves could have really taken the Bulls to another step because that that area after those four teams you mentioned you know you got teams like the Raptors who finished ahead of the Bulls with 48 wins the Nets right now still have KD so until that and Kyrie so until those two are traded like I think that's still a team that's going to be flirting with the Bulls I mean they were at 44 wins two less than the Bulls the Hawks were at 43 the Cavs were at 44. The Hornets were at 43 in the 10th seed. And so you just kind of see, like, it's a very thin margin between those teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff picture and the Bulls last year. So it's – and, you know, I, I brought up Detroit. Detroit's going to be a very interesting team, I think, this year in the Eastern Conference. I could just kind of see the road being a little more challenging for the Bulls and, you know – Everything does have to go right, and Patrick Williams is going to have to have to really play out of his skis for this to go well. Or really, like if Patrick Williams does have that season that I kind of brought up, like that, you know, decent improvement to year three, um, I think it's going to really be then on role players like you know Alex Caruso to be consistently healthy, Lonzo Ball to come back and at least be around for maybe fifty percent, seventy five percent of the season, and. Like, right now, that's not looking great. So, I don't know. It's just something where it's going to need a lot of things to go right for for this to do well. Even, like you said, Kobe White. Io hopefully doesn't have a sophomore slump and continues to improve. And, um, you know, Nikola Vucevic has a slight bounce-back season. So, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot that's going to have to go right to kind of make sure that they don't end up in that playing range or flirting with the playing range in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. At at the same time though, if you know, if, if um if we're to believe that the margin within those teams that we think are going to be kind of clustered together is is thin, maybe Patrick Williams getting himself to 15 points and six rebounds and four assists, maybe a steal or a block, maybe that is big enough to help them um navigate that that margin you know and and you know things have to go right for these other teams too um True. you know speaking about the nets in my mind i think that the the best situation for kd is just 
is in fact to just stay where he is um, with the additions that they made and the players that they re-signed, the, the Patty Mills and the Nick Claxtons of the world. Um, but again, you got Ben Simmons there. He's a wild card. <laughs> Kyrie, even though he he got his $36 million. Um, the wildest of wild cards? The wildest of wild cards, yeah. So I, it's, it's I, again, it's, and I feel like I'm Mr. Glass half full. I think that's just kind of, where I, where I uh, lie on a bunch of things just in basketball and in life. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not as if this team can't get better. I, I don't think they've bumped their head on, on what their ceiling is just yet. I don't think DeMar DeRozan is going to slip from the season he had. You know, he may not be the same type of clutch player that he was um, last season, but Zach Levine, a guy who is – just kind of coming into his own, coming into his prime, just got money, just got his big deal, um, got the respect that he said he wanted. Um, he's not done growing. He's not done improving. You know, he, he just came off a season playing with DeMar DeRozan, somebody who he's been in the locker room with and being able to kind of maybe learn some things from some some veteran savviness that maybe wasn't there before. Um, you know, Caruso, there's no way Caruso can have some of these freak injuries this upcoming season that he had last season. Um, you know, he also spoke to trying to do, do some things differently with his body in preparation for this upcoming season so that he can handle the amount of minutes that the Bulls need him to play. You know, this is a guy that um, wasn't asked to do quite as much in his previous stops as a pro. So it's a different role for him here. Um, but just like the rest of the guys I mentioned, you know, these, these guys are still capable of improving, uh, especially Patrick Williams. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I have not been necessarily the president of the Patrick Williams fan club. I think people that know me would, would tell you that, but I'm kind of getting excited because although you could look at it and say that he for sure has an enormous amount of responsibility and I guess you could say pressure on him this upcoming season because he can kind of change the math for this Bulls team. You, you kind of want him to to feel that a little bit and and see how he responds to it and you know give him the opportunity to try to grow and and stretch his wings a little bit for this team. So I still got my 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 optimistic hat on. Um, we'll see what happens going into this year. We'll see how Lonzo Ball is able to recover from um, not only that bone bruise but the meniscus surgery he had um, in January. Yeah, and. I think that's the one thing that's probably concerning me the most is is the Lonzo Ball factor because I do think this team's full potential in a way does ride through Lonzo Ball. I, like where the Bulls were at their best was when Lonzo Ball was on the floor. So like just hearing that he's still kind of, you know, slogging through this rehab process, it's just it's it's such a damn bummer because I think if he's full go then yeah, sky's the limit for this team. Cause I, I think that's the thing. Like you did see the drop off when Lonzo balls out of the lineup and you really don't have that, that key floor general kind of keeping things, you know, flowing during the fast breaks. And even, even in the half court offense, which kind of shocked me because coming into the season, there was plenty on, you know, Lonzo ball, not necessarily being the best, like half court facilitator and like, I thought he actually looked pretty damn good in that role, and he still looked really good playing off the ball 
you know, getting his, his open looks from the three point line. But yeah, I think that's the, the thing that kind of disappoints me is just knowing that it, it could be a year where maybe we're not seeing Lonzo ball out of the gate. And, you know, I wonder if Goran Dragic ends up getting, you know, thrusted into, and I, you know, again, this is just me speculating. I wonder if he ends up getting after preseason, if Lonzo Ball's not healthy, thrusted into starters minutes, or if he's just a super sub and, you know, it's Io's job to take or Kobe White's job to take if he's still with the team. Like, who do you think ends up getting that job if Lonzo Ball isn't ready at the start of the season? I love that question, man. I, I think it. <laughs> I think it has to be Io, man, because while Dragic and, and and Kobe White offer that starting lineup more scoring and two guys who, especially in Kobe White, can really flourish off of catching shoots, um, you know, and, and who better to play off of than DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic in that, in that realm. That being said, Io just gives you the defense that those two just can't they just can't give you. And if you have Dragic and, and White on the court with um I'm oh, sorry, Dragic or White on the court with those with those starters, I just well, how does that defense look? That that really worries me. I think you have to have a more defensive minded guard um in that starting lineup. That's not to say that Billy Donovan, who we know, likes to mix things up and, and is not afraid to kind of tinker with lineups here and there. I think that Dragic will get some starts next season. Um, but if Lonzo Ball is not ready to go, I think that Io needs to get kind of that first crack at it. Um, how do you see it lining up? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I actually align with you on this. I, I do think Io is probably going to get the opportunity. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Goran Dragic gets he- gets heavier minutes, like gets that 20 to 25. He sounds like he was promised before he signed with the Bulls. Um, you know, it could be a situation where you just kind of ride the hot hand to end games, which we've seen Billy Donovan do a lot of where, you know, if, if IO's giving them effort and getting buckets, playing defense, he's probably going to, you know, start the games and finish out the games. But if Goran Dragic catches a heater, which, you know, he's prone to do from time to time, I, I think there's no doubt that Billy might ride that hot hand, hot hand to end games, but I do think Io is the one that probably is going to end up starting games, and I, I think that's the right call for sure. I do want to um, kind of reset something here because, you know, I mentioned the the contracts that were signed, with uh, Drummond getting signed to about uh, a contract that nets to about three point three million a year. Same with Derek Jones, Goran Dragic get, gets the veteran minimum. But one of the things that has been talked about a lot, and you hinted to this, is the whole idea of the luxury tax. The Bulls had about $10 million worth of mid-level exception to use, and they haven't used all of it. Now, they might be trying to leave some level of flexibility to make a move during the season or possibly still sign somebody or pull off a some type of move here. Um, you know, there could be a lot of ripple effects happening with DeAndre Ayton's offer sheet just getting matched about a few hours before we hopped on here. And 
you know, you still have KD situation, Kyrie situation, Miles Turner situation. There's always things where ripple effects happen because of that, and other players end up getting moved as well. So, you know, totally fair that something could happen that is leaving them this level of flexibility, but it does kind of raise a point because we know in the past, especially with Jerry Reinsdorf, that his philosophy was, I'm not going into the luxury tax unless I have a contending team. That was always what he said. And I want to bring a quote back, Drew, from Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry's son. He was interviewed by Casey Johnson back in February during a a podcast on Bulls Talk, NBC Sports Chicago. And the quote from Michael Reinsdorf is, quote, All you have to do is go back and look at the last number of championship teams. How many of them were in the luxury tax? With the nature of the NBA and having a soft cap, if you want to compete for championships, you have to be willing to spend into the tax. I think most people will tell you, I don't want to spend into the tax if we're not competing for championships, if we're not good enough. I don't want to be the eighth seed or out of the playoffs or go into the luxury tax. But when it comes to a team like this, and if we take the necessary steps next year that allow us to compete for a championship, then for sure we'll go into the tax. It's part of the nature of the NBA. End quote. Now, I'm not sure like how to dissect this quote because... It does sound a little like what Jerry used to say back in the day, which is like, well, if I have a competitive team, I'll go into the tax. But he sort of was saying, what Michael was saying was, if this team is trending like it is now, I'm not afraid to go into the luxury tax if need be. But the actions we're seeing now don't necessarily validate that. I'm kind of, I know I'm kind of conflicted, and I wonder how you feel about this. Like, what do you think this philosophy is? Like, why do you think they're hesitant to get into the luxury tax at this point? At least from what it seems like. <laughs> I mean, from what it seems like, it just sounds like they're being a little tight with their with their money, which, I mean, it's their money. You know, they're going to do whatever it is they want to do with it, um, whether it's the Chicago White Sox or the Chicago Bulls, but it's it's I'm with you, man. It's it's very confusing because you brought in Arturis Karnaschovas and you brought in Mark Eversley, two guys who seemingly are trying to push this franchise not only back to respectability but back into the stratosphere of teams who are expected to compete for titles year in and year out. So to allow this front office to trade away the assets that they did in order to get DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic and Lonzo Ball and to bring in Alex Caruso and, you know, to re-sign Zach Levine to the first $100 million plus contract in franchise history, to allow them to do all that. And then, again, what we believe to be is them handcuffing their own front office. It just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't um doesn't jive well at, at all, and I, I wonder if there was a message sent to Connor Sowers and Eversley when they took this job. Like, hey, when we say win now, we just mean you know getting back to the playoffs and making sure we got butts in the seats. We're not necessarily talking about you know paying out the wazoo 
um, in order to get a title. That's not what it's really about. I wonder if, if some sort of, obviously those words, I'm kind of just throwing those out there. I'm, I'm sure they didn't yeah, come yeah. out it that way, but I just, I just wonder if there was something, something said behind closed doors. Let me just throw this out to you real quick. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Sure. Matt. So in a Forbes article, it broke down how NBA teams have spent uh, since the luxury tax came to be 21 years ago. Can you guess <laughs> of the, they got 29 teams in here. Of the 29 teams where Chicago ranked in terms of how many times they've gone into the tax? How many times they've gone into the tax? I'll say is, um Just kind of where they align with the rest of the league in terms of um, how much they spent into the tax and the amount of times they've gone into the tax. Well, I want to say they've never gone into the tax. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they've never gone to the tax, or if they have, it's been very brief, like for a year. But you, you got the right thinking there. So according to this Forbes article, they've done it twice. Twice. Um, but that puts them 24th. So only the Wizards, Rockets, Hawks, Pistons, Hornets, and Pelicans have gone into the tax less or spent less into the tax. The Hornets and Pelicans haven't done it at all. Well, and think about those teams we're talking about. Like, aside from Houston, eh, that's not a good company you want to be in, especially in, like, the last 10 years of the NBA. I This is what I, I think their philosophy is, Drew. Like, more of the ownership philosophy. I really think, like, AK and Mark Eversley are doing their best to work with in the confines that are set up for them. And I think they've done a pretty damn good job. And I think they'll continue to at least push or explain why or how they can make certain moves work. But I actually think that the the philosophy, at least from ownership, has been sort of skipping a step. Get us from, instead of A to B to C, they want to get to A to C. And what I think they would like to see is build this team up and then pray to God, either Patrick Williams becomes that superstar or some superstar in the league, like example, Kevin Durant says, you know what? I want to go to Chicago, take me to Chicago and I'll go try to win with them. And then that's when the Reinsdorfs would say, all right, we'll spend the luxury tax because now we have, one of the best players in the league, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and now we can fill it with whatever pieces we want because now we can justify spending that money. I feel like they just want to skip that step, but what we see, you know, as you're saying, like, there's a large number of teams, and a lot of these teams winning championships now in the NBA, what they do is they do spend money not only for star players, but for you know, key role players or even those guys that help Im- improve the team around the margins. And you just have to do that in the NBA. And I think the Bulls are just like trying to skip a step and just pray to God Patrick Williams develops or somebody wants to to come to the the Bulls at some point and try to try to make it from there. And I, I don't think you can. You you do have to make those other improvements before you either have somebody develop or, you know, attract that big name to your team. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> it's 
you know, you can't contend and then spend. I think you it has to be the reverse, right? You you've got to you've got to really um, do what you can to put the players in place for you know whatever the cost it it, it takes to to get your franchise to where you want it to be. If if you know championship contention is the goal, is the end game, but you know, to to for the Bulls as a franchise to be behind small small market teams like the Pacers, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Timberwolves, the Kings, the Kings, yeah, who are what in the sixteen year playoff drought? Uh, yeah, it, shit. I think the last time was it had to be when Chris Webber was on that roster, or maybe Ron Artest. I'm I'm trying to remember. Like it's been a long time. It really has. It really has. I I don't know. So. Okay, okay, so if we're going to frame this conversation like that, does that change how you feel about how Eversley and, and Karnasovas handled this offseason? If, if we're to believe that they weren't given the tools so, necessary to do what they needed to do? I think... Taking the, t- taking the trade exception off the table, because we know that's something that they could have used. Yeah. Well, and I, that kind of that actually did frustrate me a bit, because... I remember I raked gar packs through the coals when they did not use the Kyle Korver trade exception. And when I heard, Oh, Hey, the, the Daniel Tice trade exception expired. I was kind of ticked. Like, are you kidding me? Like that's a major asset. I guess like I've, I've been looking at it, I guess through a different lens this off season where I give probably AK and Mark Eversley a little more of the benefit of the doubt because I know that this ownership has a track record of being frugal. Um, so I guess I've, I've been looking at it that way and I'm, I, I still am not like totally thrilled with the moves. Like I said, in a vacuum, each of those players, Jones Jr., Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic. Yes. Great. Love having Jones Jr. back. Drummond's always been a, a solid piece and really a piece that if you go back and look at the first trade deadline under AK and Eversley, that was a player actually being rumored a bit for the Bulls. So it's somebody that clearly has been on their radar. And then again, Goran Dragic, solid veteran, always nice to have on a roster when you're competing for, you know, playoff spot. But I guess, yeah, like I, I guess I've been looking through the lens of, they're sort of hamstrung by ownership until otherwise, right? Until they actually go into the luxury tax and do spend that money, I'm always going to operate under the guise that they're going to be slightly handcuffed, AK and Eversley. So I guess I've been always looking at it that way since we've started this. Yeah, I mean, it's, they haven't really given fans reason to believe they should look at it any differently. So I'm not – I don't blame you at all for that for that line of thinking. Um whatsoever man it's just it's just unbelievable when you take a when you take a step back and and look at again what's been done to this roster and the amount of overhaul it went through to get mm-hmm. to this point um and it does not have certain resources made available to them mm-hmm. it's just kind of a, a it is a a punch to the gut man it is it's you know why bulls fans deem this offseason so disappointing um, and then as you alluded to early, earlier, when you take that and then you look at some of, some of what these other teams in the Eastern Conference 
uh, have done. It just, you know, it hits twice as hard almost. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I want to kind of put a bow on the free agency discussion a little bit and ask you, is there a move that you're hoping can still be made? I mentioned this ripple effect that could happen when maybe a couple of trades do go down and maybe one team is ripe for the picking. Like, look at a team like Brooklyn. If Kevin Durant gets dealt and, you know, I, of course, last episode was having the Kevin Durant wet dream, but, like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's realistic, but, like, there's pieces on that team that I would, you know, in a heartbeat, if they decide to tear it down, I'd definitely give them a call about, like, Seth Curry and see if I can add shooting to the team, but is there something like that that you could see happening, or, like, I don't know if there's players off the top of your head or types of players off the top of your head that you're like, hey, let's make sure we, like, add at least that piece before the season starts man i would i'm like you i would love to have seth curry on this team um he's somebody that's done very well for himself in his league and uh, a quality three-point shooter who you know we, we've talked about this is that's something that this team desperately kind of needs uh given kobe white's inconsistencies there's no other like specific player that i would have in mind just you know, I think they've got what 15 roster spots filled right now. I think they can they can do up to 20 until closer to the season. They gotta whittle it back down. But um, another, this this at this point in time, it's it's kind of like everybody's looking for these kinds of players. But just somebody who has something to offer on both sides of the ball. Um, I know in a second here we're gonna start talking about summer league. I think. Mm-hmm. Justin Lewis will be an interesting guy to look at just because of his his size and some of the skills that he has. Um, he's going to be capped at, I think, 50 regular season games because he's on a two-way contract. But I'd be interested to see what time he gets, if any, and, and who he plays with and how he looks there on, looks um, out there on the court. Yeah, like, and I do want to get into the, the summer league stuff in a bit too. And, and he was somebody that, like, when I saw that the Bulls had signed him, I knew he was sort of, you know, touted as somebody that could be a, a draft pick. And I was like, oh, that's that's not a bad move if you can get him. And I know he's been he's been turning heads, but I want to bring up this name to you in free agency real quick. This is somebody who was six man of the year, and I was shocked to see he is still out on the market. I don't know if, if you could get him at a decent price right now, but I was surprised to see Montrez Harrell is still on the market. And I've always been a big fan of him. I'm not sure if, if given the, the Bulls roster situation, if cap restraints are there. But that's somebody I would I would like to see added. I think he would bring a level of pretty good production to the Bulls. But, you know, I, I'm sure some other people would say, like, hey, he's kind of been – there's a reason he's been on three teams in the last, like, year and a half. But I don't know. I've I've always been a fan. Yeah, I definitely like his his energy and his motor. I think he plays with a, a certain amount of toughness that any team can use, but I, I just don't know. I, I, my questions for him are on the defensive side of the ball, um, really, and just what, what he would add to this group. Um, he's not a rim protector. I'm not sure if he's somebody you can trust um, in, in a scheme, that the uh, defensive schemes that this team likes to play. Um, he can score, but again, I don't, 
I don't know if that's necessary. Like the way he scores, I'm not sure necessarily fits the mold of where this team is right now. Um, but I understand why you are kind of interested in him. And it, it is interesting that he's still kind of a, a man without a home right now. Um, but I think he has some some issues this summer too. Uh, that that Hornets team has been a little bit of a mess this offseason uh, with him and Bridges. Yeah, I, he's facing, I think, some like – and, and I, I just pulled it up here just to confirm it. He's facing a felony drug charge that came last month. So – that's probably why maybe some some teams are sort of staying off. But, yeah, I've been, it's been interesting to see some of the names that are out there. Like, even Carmelo Anthony's still out there. Dennis Schroeder's still out there. And, and these aren't names I'm saying that, you know, are necessarily going to be there for the Bulls. But it's just kind of been interesting that, like, there's been some, some names there. And I think – I do think some of this does also, you know, kind of impact, like, what's going to happen with KD and Kyrie Irving. I think they're sort of holding up, like, the second wave from happening. So – It'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see if the Chicago Bulls end up, you know, jumping into that market when when those moves are made. Uh, I do want to wrap up, Drew, a little bit here with a little bit of summer league talk. Like, I'll admit I don't pay as much attention to summer league as other folks do. I occasionally will watch it sort of in the background or catch highlights and kind of follow along on Twitter more often, but... You know, it's interesting. I I wanted to talk about Marco Simonovic and some of my concerns. And, of course, tonight he goes out and has a double-double uh, against the Hornets Summer League squad. So go figure, right, Drew? Um, but I, do you have any takeaways from what you're seeing and hearing from Summer League? Like, I, I know you brought up Justin Lewis, and that's been a little bit of a story and kind of something to keep an eye on. But uh, anything else that sort of is uh, appealing to you or – maybe concerning to you from summer league? I don't know that anything necessarily concerns me, but I I do like the little bit that I've seen from Dalen Terry and even more of what I've heard about how he's performed. Um, he looks like somebody that is going to be able to operate really well playing off of some of the shot creators that the Bulls have on hand. Um, he's not necessarily a, um, the best shot creator of, uh, himself, but he can play off of other guys and take advantage of, you know, bent defenses. And uh, he looks like a guy who's not afraid to cut. He makes pretty good. He's a pretty good passer, I should say. He's got um, good court vision. Um, so that that's that's exciting to me. Just just knowing that that's another guy who can play defense and is not going to stand still on offense and just kind of watch the three headed monster of Vooch and Levine and DeRozan go to work like he's gonna make defenses pay attention to him and take advantage of the the looks that are created for him so in that regard that's something that I'm excited about um Marco Simonovic I know we talked about this a little bit um just through text message about how you know although he he seemed to have played well tonight and he had a monster game uh the first game of um the Vegas Summer League He's still he's not quite he doesn't look to be quite ready yet for the big stage, at least not in a meaningful way. I, I don't think he's going to play ahead of Andre Drummond, um, you know, coming off the bench. Um, I don't know, man. He's kind of right there with, with Tony Bradley, I would say. Uh, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, OK, so I 
all that talk about him beefing up from like 215 to 240, uh, the game that I caught, I caught the, the game against the Knicks. And so the Knicks were trotting out some like actual guys that could be in the rotation um, and summer league. And you kind of see like that was sort of the knock. He got into some action in garbage time or, or some minutes when guys were hurt. And, you know, you saw like he just doesn't have that physical presence against some of these bigger guys in the league. And that's just sort of my concern with him because I think like, okay, some, some Bulls fans get carried away and go, Hey, second round pick, just like Nikola Jokic. Okay. Like slow down there. Um, but you know, you thought maybe this is somebody who could be a Euro stash. You bring him in, develop him, and he could become a rotational piece for you at some point. But, you know, maybe we should just face the fact that he might just be a G leaguer and maybe end of the bench guy in the NBA. Like that barely sees minutes comes in in garbage time. I I do. I'm concerned because like, well, I don't want to say concerned because look, when you're a second round pick and especially one that's going to be Euro stashed, like you shouldn't expect too much from those types of players, right? Like you get what you get. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of him being like the second coming of Jokic or even like the second coming of Nikola Mirotic, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's somebody who, you know, until he shows otherwise that he can play against some of these bigger bodies in the league, I think he is who he is. Because, like, he just – there's just something missing there. I don't know what it is. There's just something missing. Now, you know, if he keeps – putting in these impressive performances and he does it against slightly better competition, then I reserve the right to change my opinion. But for now, I think he's just a glorified G leaguer and end of the bench guy in the NBA. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hell make a really good living doing that. So, um, I think he is who he is. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about how he, he did take what the bulls, challenged him to do, which was to to put on some weight and, and gain some strength. So, you know, I don't think that's any small thing that shows a certain level of commitment he has to improve his himself and improve his body. But I don't know, man, it's just the kind of the innate things that a player needs to have that he doesn't seem to have on this level, on on the on the NBA big stage uh level right now. And I'm not sure how or, or if he can get it still young but like i said man he, his his ceiling might be a uh end of the bench guy yeah and hey you, you still can make a ton of money in the nba doing that so like i don't feel too bad for for marco but you know i think there were some bulls fans that were were banking on a lot for him just it, it's a friendly reminder second round picks are second round picks for a reason I also feel like everybody always brings up like um, Nikola Mirotic in terms of like a, you know, out of nowhere Euro stash player, but people forget he was a first round pick that was stashed in Europe, not a second round pick. And there's a reason for that. So, yeah, I feel like just kind of on a separate note, a lot of people like don't remember that Nikola Mirotic was actually a pretty solid rotational player I think kind of gets kind of gets a little bit knocked by Bulls fans and I think it's because again we kind of overhyped him a little too much but you go back and look at his career he was a pretty solid 
role player in the NBA when he was here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I I blame Bobby Portis for that, man. I think <laughs> we we go to that punch and that that practice scuffle. I think that's the first thing I know for me as as an observer of the Bulls. That's kind of the first thing I think of uh, yeah. immediately when when his name gets brought up. So I can't even I can't front it like <laughs> my mind doesn't go there too. But I think Bobby Portis ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well. Drew, as we wrap up here, it was great catching up with you again, but any final thoughts that you have just right now in terms of the current situation or going forward with the rest of this offseason? No, I think, um, again, it was great catching up with you too, Matt. I think we this was an episode of a tug of war of me trying to pull you more to the positive <laughs> side and you trying to make, maybe make me more of a realist. I don't know if we if we gain any ground on each other, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fun kind of kind of playing good cop bad cop a little bit uh this hey, episode some of the best things you could do is just play devil's advocate because it really does get you thinking and i think this is the type of off season where as a bulls fan you struggle like you kind of vacillate back and forth between trying to remain positive and then kind of falling down that pessimistic rabbit hole so i think we just embodied bulls nation perfectly in this episode I like that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Although I think you, you more closely resemble what I've seen and on um, on Twitter. <laughs> well, that's 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 probably not good. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, everyone. And again, you can check us out on our Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. You can follow Drew Stevens. This is his third episode as co-host of the Rebuildable Podcast. At look what Drew did which I still love that that Twitter handle. I just, I don't know why. It's just, it's so awesome. And you can follow me at mgentile88 because I have a boring Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you're just straight to the point, man. That's all. Yeah, I try. You're all business. <laughs> all business, no fun. <laughs> Which is which is great when you're hosting a podcast, right? <laughs> With Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.